0: Hello, and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. This Sunday we have Nathan Brewer with us for the first time, and his ministry is looking forward to see Christians equipped with the spiritual gifts Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. So, what are these five gifts, and why are they important? How many of these gifts should be present in believers of Jesus Christ? Well, to find out more, just stay tuned and listen to Nathan as he tells us more about it. day outside. We still have a little bit of summer um, in the uh, middle of September here. That's nice. So I'm glad uh, everyone took the time to be here this morning and to join me. Um, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I count it as a privilege to be able to speak into the body of Christ in Vienna, and no matter which local church. Um, this morning, I'm going to be speaking about fivefold ministry gifts and, and how that supercharges your serving. So I know at Grace Church, you've been looking at this theme this year about uh, a serving heart. And I want to weave that idea of gifts into a serving heart. So um, if you have your Bibles, um, we are going to be looking at the text Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. And I'll just uh, shortly introduce myself, and then um, we can also uh, pray, of course. Uh, My name is Nathan Brewer, Um, as he shared. I've been uh, living in Vienna 13 years. I was born and raised in the United States, and been living here in Vienna, Austria, for 13 years. So I'm a five-fold trainer, which means I design um, interactive learning experiences in the fivefold ministry for individuals, churches that are curious or that are maybe even discouraged and um, help them discover and grow in their gifts and learn how to work together so that there's collaboration and synergy and everyone can thrive. I'm leading a church here in Vienna as well um, and I'm founder of Curios Ministries, which is an international uh, collective of about 10 leaders uh, who, uh, it's a support system to help these leaders thrive in their calling. Um, and you see also a picture there on the screen of a book. I'm also an author, uh, of The Pulse of Christ, a five fold training manual. So, uh, the content that I'm speaking on today is also available in book form and a lot, a lot more. So, I'd like to, uh, pray as we, uh, begin here. Father, we do ask, uh, that, You speak through your word. Your word is living and active. And so we stand on that promise that through Ephesians, this this text and these gifts will come alive. That people realize things for the first time. That people see you, Jesus, in a new light. And that people uh, develop a hunger to discover and grow in their gifts and work together in unity so that we can see the fullness of Christ displayed in this city and in this nation and in this world. Bless these words, to pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. As many of you know, um, we are in the midst of, of a battle. Um, a battle between good and evil. A battle between the, the kingdom of light God's kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. And it's very easy if you just open a newspaper any morning to see that this battle is very real. And Paul writes in Ephesians 6 that these our our battle is actually not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and spiritual darkness, the authorities in in the dark world. This uh, battle going on versus good and evil is often portrayed in, in movies as well. Movies often portray our society. I'd like to show you a short movie clip to begin here from the X-Men. Maybe some of you have heard of these superheroes, the X-Men, and it's called, What is this place? The guy in the middle, his name is Wolverine, and he's just arriving at this academy for X-Men, for superheroes. And he's kind of asking, what is this place? So let's watch this two-minute video, and then we'll dive in.
1: from day to day moving from place to place with no memory of who or what you are shut up give me a chance i may be able to help you find some answers how do you know you're not the only one with gifts where are you going going? he's over there what are you doing over here what is this place Anonymity is a mutant's first defense against the world's hostility. To the public, we're merely a school for gifted youngsters. Cyclops, Storm and Jean were some of my first students. I protected them, taught them to control their powers, and in time, teach others to do the same. The students are mostly runaways, frightened, alone, Some with gifts so extreme that they've become a danger to themselves and those around them. Like your friend Rogue, incapable of physical human contact, probably for the rest of her life. And yet here she is, with others her own age, learning, being accepted, not feared.
0: Sorry. I'm Bobby.
1: What's your name? Rogue. What'll happen to her? Well, that's up to her. Rejoin the world as an educated young woman, or stay on to teach others, to become what the children have affectionately called X Men. Welcome to Mutant High. But the school is merely our public face. The lower levels, however, are an entirely different matter.
0: Okay. How many of you have seen one of the movies, X-Men? Yeah? A couple of people. Uh, Very exciting movies, very fun. In this video clip, you see one of the X-Men, Wolverine, arriving for the first time at this academy where... Uh, Individuals with special gifts, in essence superpowers, can come to discover them, to grow in them, to hone them, and to use them as a source for good in this cosmic battle of good versus evil, like it's portrayed in, in so many movies. And as you saw in the video, they don't fit into normal society. They were even called mutants. Because of these superpowers that they had. And it it made me think in some sense of the church, of the body of Christ that was has been given gifts, given superpowers. And some of us have such unique and special gifts that are that are so unusual you may even feel a bit strange. Like you don't fit in to society. And it makes me think of, of Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. The hall of faith that... Uh, It says, they felt like foreigners and strangers on this earth. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis who said, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And this really fits to us as Christians because Philippians 3.20 says we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, another world. And sometimes we just feel like we don't fit in here. And So as we dive into this theme of of, of spiritual gifts, fivefold ministry gifts that are superpowers for us as believers, I want to just encourage you that your gift is unique, your gift is special, your gift is needed, and it's even essential in the body of Christ. So for this battle in this world of the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness, we need power. We need to be empowered with gifts. So what if you had a superpower? What if you had a superpower given to you by Jesus to make a supernatural impact in people's lives? As you gather as the church, and, as you scatter throughout the week into the world, what if, like the the x men Academy, the church could be more like academy where gifts are discovered and trained and honed and released? Training could be offered you as I mentioned as Grace Church, you guys have been looking at a serving heart over the year, and that 's an excellent theme our Our character as Christians should be known as Uh, One that have servant hearts. But we also know that we're called to be much more than just nice, kind Christians. Our serving should actually change the world. And in order to have that supernatural element to, to change the world, we need this power. We need this power. Power that will supercharge our serving. So, I want to speak today about how these uh, fivefold ministry gifts will supercharge our serving. How do unity, fivefold diversity, and maturity lead to the fullness of Christ? So, the question is what, what are these five gifts that Jesus gave to the church? Why are these important for the church and the world? How do these gifts supercharge our serving? And how do unity, diversity, and maturity lead to the fullness of Christ? Next slide. What is, in general, the purpose of spiritual gifts? I would define it like this, that the goal of of all spiritual gifts is to supercharge or empower you to serve others. For the purpose of building up the church and to make an impact in the world, flowing out of a motivation of love. And when expressed correctly, spiritual gifts will always point to Jesus. Not how good I am or my gift, but it will always point to Jesus and give him the glory. So there's several passages in Scripture that talk about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4 are the main three. And we're going to be focusing uh, today on Ephesians 4. We saw the, the film about X-Men and, and superheroes, and I like this slide of Jesus, who's the ultimate superhero. Maybe you've seen this before. Uh, Jesus, the hero of humanity, and he's sitting there with uh, a couple famous superheroes, and he's just kind of explaining, and that's how I saved the world. And you can't see it, it's too small, but it's John three sixteen and 17, about uh, that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And through that, that that Jesus saved the entire world. So we have Jesus, the ultimate superhero. And he started his church to bring about God's kingdom here on earth. Now, how did he do that? How did he do that? And we see that Jesus was also the ultimate servant. Everyone was expecting this uh, conqueror that would conquer Rome, this this political figure that would eventually uh, set them free, but Jesus came into the world as a suffering servant. And in our church, we're going through the book of Mark, and maybe the key verse in the book of Mark is is chapter ten, verse forty five. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Now, serving is a very broad word, and it can be expressed in a lot of different ways, right? And I want to point or categorize even Jesus' is serving into five areas, five categories. How did he serve? Well, we know he served by, he served by teaching. He taught the people. And, in fact, in, in his fullness, Jesus represented all. All five of these roles, all five of these ministries, all five of these gifts. He served the people apostolically. He was the first apostle sent by the Father to start a, a discipleship movement. And he's Lala's he an apostle in Hebrews 3 1. He served the people prophetically, being a faithful prophet, a faithful representative of the Father and of the Father's heart. It's uh in, in Luke twenty four nineteen. He served the people evangelistically. He, he physically embodied the good news. He was the good news. In John 5.39. And he was a shepherd, the good shepherd. John 10. 1 Peter 5.4. And he was the teacher with unrivaled authority. Mark 1.22 says there's the Pharisees and teachers, of the law, and the scribes, but Jesus taught with a different authority. Level of authority. So Jesus served people in these five ways. And, and I like to think of it as kind of five facets of one diamond. And when light shines through something like a diamond or a prison, the light gets distributed. And Ephesians 4, which we're going to get into right now, is, says that he distributed these gifts then to his body, to the church. So what is fivefold ministry? How how could it be defined? And I would say fivefold ministry is five dimensions of Jesus' character and ministry that he gave to us, the church, his body, to enjoy them, to live them out, and to equip others in your gift area to display his fullness in the world. So you have this radiant diamond displaying. More and more of Jesus. So, getting into the text now, Ephesians 4, you can divide verses 1 through 16 into, into three key words. Verses 1 through 6 is a block about unity, and we need that basis of unity to start with. Then you have verses 7 through 11 that talks about diversity, fivefold diversity. Verses 12 through 16 then gets into maturity, which, when you bring those together, results into the fullness of Christ, the text tells us. So we want to talk about serving in unity, serving in diversity, and serving in maturity. So I have the verses on the slides. If you have your own Bible, feel free to follow along. Verse 1, first block, remember, unity, unity in serving. Verse 1 starts out with, I, this is Paul writing to the Ephesians, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, if, we, if you if you remember, Paul is in prison, and writing to uh, actually a group of churches in the Ephesus region, and he's encouraging them. If you if you remember the context of, of of chapter three of Ephesians, Paul makes it clear that the whole body of Christ is to unpack this mystery of the gospel, this mystery of the gospel of the kingdom, and then in chapter four he gets into our callings as individuals and working together for a unified calling to display this fivefold diversity that results in the fullness of Christ and so we see three keys here to display the fullness of Jesus unity diversity maturity now, I underlined uh, the word calling, and I'd encourage you to take notes, underline that, circle that, important word, because calling is something that is extremely important to our lives. It's something that drives our lives. It gives us passion. We blossom when we discover our calling. And Paul knows, and, and, and the Holy Spirit who inspired Paul to write this, knows that our callings are so different that there's going to be uh, kind of pulling in different directions, different emphases to result in tensions. And so he writes in verse two, "Please, let's keep in mind, with all of our different callings, humility. Let's keep in mind gentleness. Let's keep in mind patience with one another." And humility is the on-ramp for unity. And we have unity here in the spirit and the bond of peace. Jesus died for this unity. Not for us to be, unity does not mean uniformity all the same. But unity by definition means there's going to be differences. And therefore, we want to hold together in the spirit, in the bond of peace. After Paul establishes this basis of Unity, oh, I'm sorry, um, continuing in verses 1 through 6, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. So whenever you see repetition in your Bible, that should make you aware. The writer and the Holy Spirit is trying to make us aware of something important. And we see here that the word one is repeated over and over and over. In fact, seven times, which is the number of perfection and completion in the Bible. So we're looking at complete and perfect unity by orientating our faith, orienting our faith on these seven coordinates. These should give us this strong basis of unity. In essence, the writer is also saying we want to start... um, with this strong basis of unity, so that we can provide a platform for diversity. Seven, seven, eleven, keyword diversity. Unity in serving and now diversity in serving. Verse 7 says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So after establishing a strong basis of unity, Paul introduces diversity with this contrasting word, but So we have unity, but these gifts that I've given are very diverse, very diverse. And we know from the context of chapter four, as well as the context of uh, chapter one, the entire book that Paul says, I'm writing to God's holy people, everyone in Ephesus and, and beyond that to us today. So, The text says the grace was given to each one of us. And here we have a direct implication that these five gifts aren't just for church leaders or spiritually elite people, people who have gone to maybe Bible school or so. These gifts are for the entire body because Ephesians was a body of Christ letter. So it's a discipleship. So grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of. Of Christ's gift. So everyone gets a gift. Everyone gets to play. Verses 8 through 10, before uh, he gets to what these five are, he says, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. Now this is speaking of Jesus, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. So this is a very interesting and almost cryptic uh, verse. But there's uh, three important parts that I'd like you to uh, be aware of for this. First of all, it's a reference to the Old Testament. In Psalm 68:10. Uh, There's a cross reference that describes God as being the conqueror. And with this, Jesus is saying, "I, I am God and I have conquered death. I have conquered the grave. I have conquered Satan. I have conquered evil. Therefore, I have the right to distribute life and to distribute gifts. And it says, through his ascension, second point with this verse it focuses on the ascension, a very important uh, theological doctrine and theological point that the, these five gifts that he has given to the body are connected directly to the ascension. So he ascended and then like almost like a picture of a firework shooting off into the sky, ascending and then pff, sprinkling down these gifts to the whole body of Christ. So, uh, uh, give the, it gives the fivefold ministry, the fivefold gifts, a certain theological weight and importance as it's tied to the ascension. And thirdly, uh, Paul's making a, actually a cultural, cultural reference to a victor's parade. There's a picture of a uh, Roman army here, and a victor's parade in the Roman Empire was, was very special because when a general would go off, uh, to a foreign city, foreign land, and conquer an opposing army. He would come back to the home city and invite everyone to attend this victory parade. And at the parade, the victor would display the spoils that he's won, the captives, the gold, the silver, everything that he uh, uh, had won as, as treasure. And he would generously distribute These things to the people. So you can imagine. You want to show up at this parade. Because you're going to get a gift. Do you see the connection to Jesus? He's talking about in these verses. That he is the conqueror. He went. He was sent. Defeated the enemy. Defeated the grave. Defeated evil. Defeated Satan. And and distributed these gifts to us as a body, as part of his victory parade. So, what are these gifts? What are these five exactly? If we look further in verse 11 now, it says, He gave, Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And it's important to see that he gave them. They're rooted in Jesus. They're his gifts. And actually, that's a, a unique distinction for the Ephesians 4, five-fold ministry gifts. Romans 12 gifts says they are given by the Father. 1 Corinthians 12 says they're given by the Spirit. And then Ephesians 4 says they're given by Jesus. And he gave them as one united package. And this is important because uh, as, as churches in, in general in the Western, uh, culture, Western hemisphere, we have a tendency to kind of pick and choose. Oh, teachers, that's important. Shepherds or pastors, that's a synonym, shepherd, pastor. Um, these are important. And yeah, evangelism, that's good. We need evangelists to reach in people, but prophets, that's, it's kind of strange. I don't know where to begin with that. Or apostles, they've died out, or I, I can't understand. But from the text, from the grammar, it says these are given as one package. Or not at all. So we have the choice to accept, embrace, cultivate all five. As part of our inheritance as a church. So what are these five? How, how could you define them? If we go to the next slide, uh, let say apostolic individuals are gifted uniquely by Jesus to innovatively start new ventures in new places, inspiring expansion Of the kingdom of God. So you see a keyword new. These people, um, for example, a church planter would start something new in a new place to expand the kingdom of God. And these gifts, these five, supercharge our serving, as I've been saying. So apostolic individuals are supercharged with expanded impact. If you're taking any notes, you could write the word impact. Because they serve the body with new ideas, uh, a a vision for something new. Like you see in the picture, they're kind of looking out for a new vision, and they have an incredible strategic overview of things, strategic thinking, and are always thinking expansion. They're pioneers. Next, prophetic individuals are uniquely gifted by Jesus to creatively connect connect to and express the father's heart inspiring faithfulness to the father and justice in the world prophets throughout the the entire bible were always saying repent right come back to the father be faithful to the father and they would stand for justice so prophets are supercharged with with passion for the father's heart and This supercharges their serving. They have so much passion for the Father's heart, and that's expressed through worship or through prayer or through taking a stance against injustices in this world. As we heard uh, one prayer request this morning, justice is important in this world because justice is important to my Father. Thirdly, evangelists, they're uniquely gifted by Jesus to Powerfully proclaim the good news of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. There is a new king; Jesus is king, and he has begun a, a kingdom. And this inspires repentance, people to turn towards this king and, and salvation. And such individuals, as you see on the photo, are often very extroverted, and they're at, at uh, events and parties, getting to know people, spending a lot of time with non-Christians because they love to connect. And, and just tell stories about the gospel. Tell a story that relates to the story of God. And evangelists are supercharged with, with excitement. If you, if you know an evangelist, you know they're excited about the gospel. And they invite others into this kingdom story. Fourthly, and, and as I go through these five, you can be thinking, wow, does this, does this resonate with my heart? Do, do, can I identify with the, this gift? Am I gifted in this area? Shepherds, they're uniquely gifted by Jesus to care for the soul and to create connections, inspiring community, inspiring inner healing. So uh, Shepherds are supercharged with care, care to serve the body by caring for the soul, by creating connections and and inspiring this healthy uh, fellowship and healthy community. And fifthly, teachers. Teachers, something we're all very familiar with, they're uniquely gifted by Jesus to give instruction in the word of God, inspiring clear understanding and application. So teachers are supercharged with wisdom and instruction. Instruction to be able to break down complex themes and explain it very clearly, what God, what God meant by this, and then how can we apply it to our lives. Apostles charged with impact. Prophets supercharged with passion. Evangelists supercharged with excitement. Uh, shepherds supercharged with care. And teachers supercharged with instruction in order to uh, serve. So as we move on from verse 11 to into the third block, remember we started by establishing a basis of unity in verses 1 through 6, and then it branches out in this incredible diversity, different callings in these five, and the third block is maturity. We want to mature in our serving. We want to grow up, right? So he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, verse 12 says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue, stature of the fullness of Christ. So what is the purpose of these five gifts? Well, the text tells us that it's to equip, equip the rest of the body, whatever your gifting is, then whatever your voice is, then to equip the rest of the body in that area so that they can minister as well. And this should build up the body of Christ. And it results in three incredible things. Attaining to unity in the faith. It results in attaining to unity in the knowledge of Jesus, the Son of God. And it it results in maturity to the fullness of Christ. So unity, maturity, fullness, this sounds fantastic, right? If these gifts are needed for these, then it seems plausible to reason that if these five gifts aren't acknowledged, aren't present or aren't activated, then we will not be equipped for the work of ministry. We will not come to unity in faith. We will not come to unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. And we will not mature to the fullness of Christ. So we just see the, the, the necessity of these five being present, acknowledged, activated, and, and maturing. So without these gifts, the, the body is disjointed. It's immature. It's ineffective. It's maybe even powerless. So I would say these five are essential to fulfill our mission and our purpose. we see in the next verse a few more benefits. It says, These gifts are given so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. No longer being children speaks of growing up, right? Many of you have children and you don't want your child to stay one-year-old forever or 16 years old forever or 20. You want them to grow up and hopefully eventually move out as well because that's part of the maturing process. And so Paul is saying we want to mature, not just biologically, but spiritually. We want to mature. And so uh, maturity looks like, for example, Uh, or no longer being children, speaks of growth and maturity in faith. So a maturity that's not tossed to and fro by the waves speaks of stability. These gifts result in stability in the church. A maturity that's not carried by every wind of doctrine brings a conviction. We know what we believe. And a maturity that's not influenced by, by human cunning or craftiness and deceitful schemes speaks of discernment. So these are incredible benefits we see in the text from the fivefold ministry. Coming towards the end of the text, verses um, 15, 16, rather. So rather than being tossed to and fro, rather than being immature, rather than being uh, unconvinced, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Christ was all five. So we want to grow up in every way in these five. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that's what we want. We want the body of Christ to grow and to mature and to be built up in love. We see in this verse 15 and 16 that there are two prerequisites for that to happen. Do you see them in verse 15 and verse 16? In order for the body to grow and build itself up in love, first of all, it has to be joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Now, if you remember from verse 12, what the purposes of the fivefold ministry? It is to equip, to connect the body, and equip was a medical term used to um, mend. Or, well, it was it was a fisherman's term used to mend. It was used to mend broken nets. So their nets would get ripped as they were fishing, and the word, the Greek word, equipping would would be used to repair broken nets. And it was also a medical used to. Fix broken bones. So the bones that are kind of out of place. Put in the right place. And put in the right order. And it can also be translated perfection. So you think about the, the, the implications of these five ministries equipping the rest of the body. We have then the body becoming mended like the nets. We have the body becoming repaired. Becoming restored. Becoming whole, become being healed. So could it be that these five are truly a key to many of the problems that we face in our churches and, and many of the of the brokenness that we see? So we see these two prerequisites for the body to grow and build itself in love. It has to be joined and held together by every joint with which is, it is equipped. And That might look like this, right? A body that's properly fit together, right? The feet are in the right place, right? The the arms are in the right place. Everything is joined and held together properly. And that's a good thing, but it's only the first prerequisite that the body is built together correctly. Because what good is a body if it's just laying there, right? If it's not active, And the second prerequisite we say is when each part is working properly, the text says. So instead of a flat, inactive body, we want each part to be working properly. And that looks like a strong, dynamic body that is on the move. And these five contribute to making the body strong, dynamic, on the move. So as we begin to close here, it says that unity in serving and mature, uh, unity in serving, diversity in serving and maturity in serving will result in the fullness of Christ. How does this really work together? And what is that synergy? What does that synergy and and collaboration look like? Often examples or, or pictures can speak a thousand words. So many of us are familiar with, uh, football. Fußball, soccer, whichever term you want to use here. And here you have just a picture of the current World Cup champions, the French uh, national team. Now, each player on, on a soccer team, there's 11, have a certain role. They have a certain role, a certain function. And what's interesting is they're all working together, right? They're all working together towards a common goal, to shoot as many goals so that they can win the game. Now our common goal as, the, as a body is to see establish god 's uh, the kingdom of God here in our city and, and, and on the earth but what 's interesting about uh, football is each of these players they 're not stuck in their position right it 's this free flowing dynamic so uh, a a forward can also play defense at times and a, and a defense or defender will also go forward at times to to score a goal, so they're free flowing in movement with one another, all supporting each other, working together. And even if they have the same position, so you see their are uh, four defenders, they will live out that position, or in a spiritual term, that calling, in a different way. So even if you have four teachers, or if you have four uh, apostolic gifted individuals, they'll live that out completely differently. And it allows such beautiful uh, freedom of expression for that gifting. But when they're all flowing and dynamic and working together and healthy and strong, you have a team that's unbeatable. And that's what synergy looks like. So you have, in spiritual sense, maybe these five circles, these five areas, these five ministries. And each area, each ministry is represented by individuals who are gifted in that area. And at the moment, they're overlapping a little bit. But in the center, there's only a little bit of synergy, right? Right? Just a little bit of overlap because they're kind of siloed. They're kind of just doing their own thing, right? So what would it look like if, if, if these ministries came together, these individuals came together in more unity, then you have a much larger overlap that results in synergy of the fullness of Christ. And that's what we're longing for, more of Jesus more of his fullness. To summarize the text, I'd like to say, number one, everyone can play. Everyone can play. Verse 7 tells us, for example, that grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Number two, it's all about Jesus. He gave these gifts to us to supercharge our serving to reflect his image in this world. And number three, we have to collaborate. We have to work together. The synergy of these five areas results in the fullness of Christ in our churches and in our world. I hope this is giving you a glimpse of a incredibly dynamic picture of what the five-fold ministry is and how these individual giftings supercharge your serving to serve the body to serve others out of a motivation of love to give jesus glory so what could maybe uh, a next step look like i'd like to um, pray in closing and then give you two or three next steps Jesus, we want to say thank you for giving these gifts. Thank you for being that conqueror who defeated death on the cross and defeated the grave by rising again. And in your ascension, you gave us these gifts. I pray that each and every person here, present and, and watching over live as well, would discover their gift and grow in maturity in the gifts. Thank you, Jesus, for these gifts. Thank you that they show us more of who you are, your beauty, your power, your passion. And that by living them out and and equipping others, we can be more of you in this world. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We give you glory in your name. Amen. Amen, so maybe just a few short practical next steps um, the slide there one would be actually a question a question um, to ask each other as as we uh, have fellowship afterwards and just as you 're going and in the future times you cross paths um, one indication of what gifts we have is is that the body kind of confirms it so asking the question to other people what which of those five do you see in me which of those five do you see in me which has has Jesus gifted me with and of course that's not the end all result or answer and, and the only way to discover it um, but that is one factor so asking this question um from my side some potential next steps would be um live workshops we can do live workshops like the x-men academy where we discover we'll do practical exercises to discover which of those gifts you have practical exercise to grow in those there's a lot of interaction with questions and answers um those can be uh workshops. Um that can also be outdoors, developed an outdoor experience uh where it's kind of a team building thing for a church. Um also outside, lastly on uh, on the table outside, um I've written a, uh, a training manual on this topic of why the fivefold ministry is important and what are practical ways to grow in it. And if you are interested, you can pick up a training manual uh outside on the table. Love to answer any questions afterwards. Uh, I'll be here for a little while. I'd love to pray for you. Uh, However I can serve, I'll be blessed. So thank you for letting me share the word this morning. And I hope it was a uh, powerful word that gave you a better glimpse of how these gifts can supercharge your serving. Thank you.